Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Let me just say a prayer here to start her out, if I can, please. We can bow our heads. Please, Lord, you know, please bless this talk I'm about to give. And, and uh, I want it to be your words, not mine. And if we, you know, if one person could be touched by this, I'd be very, very grateful to do your will and to follow you. Your will only, Lord. In God's name, amen. Well, let me introduce myself again. Uh, uh, I'm a recovering sexaholic. Uh, you have my data sobriety. My nature of my addiction is uh, I'm a transvestite and compulsive masturbation, dependent, codependent relationships, uh, pornography, uh, and fantasy. And today, uh, these days, fantasy is my, is my biggie. That, I, that I'm working on, uh, character defects, self-centered pride and ego, dependent codependent relationships, as I mentioned, uh, and uh, a big ego. <laughs> so uh, it's good to be here, and it's great to hear everybody, you know, who, and where you're from, and I am so honored, honored to, uh, you know, to give my experience, strength, and hope uh, I know our conversation I mentioned was peace of heart, I believe, and forgiveness. Uh, but I'd like to start with my own uh, litany a little bit, or my little background, so you know a little bit more about myself and my addiction. Uh, uh, I started out, you know, as a young gentleman uh, boy that was about eight, nine years old. And for some reason, I had this attraction for women and putting women's clothes on. Uh, becoming pretty or whatever that meant as a young boy. Uh, so uh, I would put on lipstick, I would put on women's clothes, and uh, and um, I would, you know, get very excited about that. And right after that, uh, there was this uh, dread and remorse, uh, if you want to say, shame and guilt that happened. Uh, I was raised uh, as a Catholic boy, and we, this, our family was very much Catholic, and I was raised that way to, uh, to the point where I even became like a uh, a uh, altar boy myself. And uh, as time went on, 10, 11, 12 years old, it, I, I put masturbation into it, and uh, that would always end up with my uh, acting out, because I always at, masturbated afterwards. Uh, why this happened to me, I don't know. Uh, I've thought about it, you know, why, you know, why was I attracted at that point in time in my life? Uh, I had a father that was very demanding uh, and I was very fearful of. I'm a guy that was like 5'2", as far as height's concerned. My father was six feet tall and he always hovered over me. 
And a lot of times he was angry at me and I, I was very, I was scared of him pretty much all my life. Uh, and there was always that fear. Uh, my mother was a, was a, a loving mother, really, I think. She really had, to, you know, she really cared about me, but she was very controlling, uh, very controlling. Uh, as I, you know, uh, she would suggest something and tell me what to do, how to do it, and, and when to do it. And a lot of times, and I fell right into it as a young boy. Uh, and uh, really, when I got older in my life, I really didn't even know how to make some decisions, especially when I got into business. And uh, to give you this idea about this April 15th, uh, after college, I became an accountant and was an accountant for 30 years, CPA. And uh, April 15th was a time that I was gifted uh, 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 sobriety. So uh, that's how the April 15th came about. Anyway, so, uh, uh, you know, I acted out. Uh, I'll try to make this as you know straight as I can with my story, but I acted out uh, for 30 years. Uh, the uh, the time that really uh, uh, I never mentioned it to anybody. Uh, I got married when I was uh, 22 years old. Uh, I didn't mention it to my wife, and I thought at that point in time that uh, uh, because I was married and all that, things would be different. That I wouldn't do this thing that I was so ashamed about doing. Uh, uh, but of course I couldn't stop. Uh, I got, uh, so years went by really uh, in, in the acting out part of it. The other problem was too, uh, that I was a, a workaholic too in my business as, as far as an accountant was concerned. We moved all over the country uh, as a family. And we ended up with four children, uh, 22 year marriage. Uh, and, uh, you know, things seemed to be going okay. Uh, we were in Wyoming at, this, at the last time when uh, things got a little bit more difficult. And my older son uh, started to have some mental health problems. And I thought, well, maybe it's because of me acting out. Maybe somehow I'm uh, this has affected me and my relationship with him. So I told the psychiatrist and psychologist, you know, I said, and I really prayed about it at the time, uh, that maybe I needed to say something about this. So I told the psychologist about it, and I told my wife. I wasn't in, I wasn't in sobriety, of course. I wasn't going to meetings. I didn't even know what a 12-step meeting was at that time at all. Uh, so I did this, and... Uh, my wife told me, uh, she said at the time, she says, hey, uh, we'll work it out. We'll work it out, Tom. Uh, you know, um, don't worry about it. So things, you know, went by here and there. And uh, uh, it got to the point where, like, almost like every 30 days, she would blow up at me and say, why the hell did you tell me? Why did you tell me this? And uh, I had no answer for that at all. We then moved back to Rochester, New York. Her mother was dying, and she said, hey, Tom, if you want to come back to Rochester with me and the kids, you can. If you don't want to, that's okay. At that time, I had my own CPA practice in a small town in Wheatland, Wyoming. And at that point, I would have done anything to keep the family together 
and to keep the marriage together. So I sold my CPA practice at that time and moved to Rochester, New York, six months after she moved to Rochester, New York. And when we got there, uh, she then came to me and said, the last ditch effort in our marriage is for you to go to a 12-step program. Uh, And at that point, I was willing to do anything. It was an SA, but it was a 12-step program very similar to SA. The only difference was uh, it was was, uh, confrontive, where they would actually confront you about what's going on in your life and how you're doing in your addiction. And it covered all addictions, not just S, not just lust. So I went to the 12-step meeting, and I can remember the first night. Uh, the first night, uh, I was with, it was all women in the group at that point in time, and they mentioned the word powerlessness. And I just said to myself, wow, am I powerless or what? I've tried to stop this for 35 years, and I could not. It was more powerful than me, and it just came into my heart saying, yes, I am powerless. And then they say there's a way out. It's called a 12-step program. And like I said before, I'd never even heard of a 12-step program in my life at that point. You can see how sheltered I was at the moment. So I said, yes, I'll do anything. And at that point in time, I said, what way out can I? is there? And they said, well, we want you to go to 90 and 90, 90 meetings in 90 days. And of course, that was AA at the moment. Looks like someone was just calling me. Excuse me. Oh, uh, okay. welcome back, Tom. Thank you. And uh, and uh, I was willing to do anything, and so I went to ninety meetings in ninety days, and that was AA and SA at that point. Uh, the uh, so, um, and then the thing at that at the at uh, that meeting was, I was so much at a bottom, which I thank God that I was. There was just women at that particular meeting, and I mentioned to them what my powerlessness was, and I was so scared and all that. But I had to get it off my chest. I had to be honest at that point, and I said it. And the, th- the beautiful thing about it, it was I was accepted. I was accepted by the people in the group. And of course, that's the same way at SA. And then I went to SA meetings and that was the same way. And what I heard at the meetings, you know, was honesty, honesty. And people just gave their heart out and told people the truth of what, you know, what was going on inside them. And that instilled in me the, you know, the faith and effort, faith and SA uh, and, uh, just the want the desire to come back uh and it was hit it was touching my heart it was touching my heart and the things about that first time first going to meetings is what they taught me right in the beginning was surrender because all those years i tried to control i tried to control my stopping lust and i couldn't i had it was bigger than me it was more powerful than me and I finally realized it in the powerlessness. And I finally realized, what did I have to do? I had to surrender. So the first three steps, of course, the the first and second step hit me hard. And my realizing I was, you know, uh, mentally disabled, if you want to say. And I realized that. And then I said, well, what's the answer? And they told me surrender. And I said, okay. 
Yes, that has got to be it. And I gave it to God. I gave it to God. And by the grace of God, I did slip 30 days later. But by the grace of God, after that, I was I uh, I was sober. And it's not me because God knows I tried for 35 years, you know, and it's been the grace of this program and the grace of the fellowship and the love and caring of the fellowship uh, that has, you know, has brought me there. And what I learned in the beginning was I knew that me, Tom, didn't have the power. And it was a spiritual power, a spiritual power. So I knew right from that point in time, I had to have this relationship with my higher power because that was it. That was it. That was my surrender was to give it to my higher power. And that was what I, I really started from the beginning. Because I was at a bottom. I was at a bottom and I was ready to do anything spiritual to make that connection with my higher power. And when I was at this program that I mentioned earlier, what they said to me was in the beginning, they said, okay, you can be a part of this program, but what you have to commit to is meditation. You need to, we, we want you to commit to meditating twice a day, 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes, eight, eight hours thereafter. Every day. Also, you can't use, you know, alcohol, liquor, uh, drugs, etc. Okay. And uh, I committed to that. That was 32 years ago. And I've had that commitment there thereafter. And I've, you know, meditation has meant everything to me, you know, because that was where I'm sure, I'm sure I was able to contact, get this closer connection with God. And I'm looking forward to my meditations in the future. Today, I meditate approximately two hours a day, and uh, it saves me uh, because when I came in this program, there was anxiety, anger, resentments, and all that. And over the period of time, it seems like it's, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it's still there, but a lot of it is dissipated. And I don't, the only, the reason I'm thinking myself, the reason why is because God's in my life, and meditation is a big part of that. I wish, to be honest with you, I wish in the 11th step they would really have emphasized it more because how much at least it meant in my life and in my recovery. Now, some of the, you know, some of the, uh, give you an idea of some of my resentments, and here we talk about forgiveness in this program. Forgiveness has meant everything. And the big part of my forgiveness, I got to be honest with you, is myself. Forgiveness, when I came in this program, like maybe a lot of essayers, uh, I hated myself. I hated myself for the for how I treated other people, especially my wife, my children, but also how I treated myself. I lost my higher power when I came into this program or bef- before I came into this program. And I didn't know God at all. I didn't know myself at all. And the fellows here brought me through that, through the 12 steps, doing those 12 steps. Four and five was big in my life, as I mentioned, one to three was, you know. But but really confessing, you know, to another, to my sponsor and that. And I was very active with my sponsor. Uh, And I gradually, gradually started to forgive myself. 
And I realized how important that was because I said, I realized if I couldn't forgive myself, how can I forgive anybody else in my life? How can I forgive my wife? And I'll be mentioning her in a minute. How can I forgive my father? How can I forgive my mother? And I had resentments coming out of my ears about that. And uh, so that was a biggie. That was biggie, the, the ability to forgive myself. And it wasn't me, again, that did that. It was by the grace of God and giving it to God and praying for them, praying for me. You know how we say in the 12th step, how they say in AA, pray for a person for two weeks every day and this forgiveness will come into your heart. Well, I did a little bit more than two weeks, let me tell you. And especially on my wife, my wife, uh, you know, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be in this program. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. But when we were in the, but when, you know, she did uh, uh, during our time of uh, divorce and all that type of thing, she was in the same program that I was in. Uh, and uh, what she, what she did in that program is uh, she confronted me and she, you know, we had a secret that we wouldn't be telling the kids at all. Well, she, she broke that secret and she told my oldest daughter about my addiction without, you know, any consent, of course. And then I had to go back and change and tell the other three kids about it. And I was, in, I was so scared about how they were going to react because that's one of the most important things was my life was my kids. And by going, getting together with my sponsor and talking about it and, and uh, the program, uh, I was able to say it to all the kids and the kids accepted it. Today I have a, you know, a wonderful relationship with all my four children and I'm so grateful because it's a big part of my heart, of course. The other thing that she did too was she uh, uh, confronted me one day in a, in a group session and she came to me and she said, Tom, the, when I have sex with you, it's the most disgusting thing I've ever done in my life. And she says, I couldn't stand it. And I almost screamed at the moment. I said, well, why did you do it? Why did you have sex with me? And she says, because the priest told me to do it anyway. And it just tore my heart out, you know, and I understand. And, you know, and I can see why she's now not able to live with a sexaholic. But it just tore me and. I was so angry and for the rejection and that in my life at that point in time. And it took a long time. It took a long time for praying for forgiveness and all that and asking, you know, I'm praying for her, praying for myself particularly to open my heart and let forgiveness come into it. So that was a big part of the forgiveness. And it happened today. We've been friends for many, many years. Uh, and, uh, we get together, we talk about the kids and all that. There's been, there's nothing getting together, you know. I, another mess, another call, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, and uh, so, uh, so uh, anyway, uh, uh, we've had a beautiful relationship, uh, you know, as a friend, as a friend is concerned. So I'm very grateful for that because I couldn't hold any of that stuff in my heart. I can't hold any resentments in my heart. Uh, it's, it's, 
it's too much for me anymore at this point in time. So the other, the other I want to get into forgiveness is my father. You know, I mentioned earlier about his, his uh, anger, if you want to say, his, uh, the fear that I had for him and all that. And I was fearful of my dad until I came into, into sobriety when I was 43 years old. And one day I remember I was taking care of the house and he was in Florida with, with uh, my mother. And uh, we had the, uh, the uh, ice storm here in Rochester, New York, which was pretty, de- you know, one of the devastating things that, you know, we had anyway, and our basement and the house flooded. And he called in one day and I was telling him about the flooding. And he just says, he swore at me and he says, what the hell's wrong with you? Why did you allow this? And he's screaming at me. And he said, and I said, dad, no more, no more. You cannot talk to me like that anymore. We will, I will not allow that. And that's the first time in all my life I ever stood up to my dad. And later on, we got together and we talked and I, and I asked, told him about, you know, how I felt about his anger, about, you know, is belittling me and all that type of thing. And I had to get it, get it out honestly. I had to get it out honestly. And I did that. And dad just said, I thought I was a good father. I thought I was a good father to you anyway. I said, well, dad, you probably were, and you were a good father. And from that point on, really, you know, and he said, I'm sorry. And I said, I'm sorry too. I'm sorry too. And we, from that time on, it, it started to build a framework of a, of a relationship the two of us started to have. So anyway, um, that's one thing. I did the same thing with my mother. My mother, with her control and all that type of thing, we had a big conversation too, the same type of thing. And, uh, and uh, I said, I, I confronted her and it, went, it ended up beautifully again. As a parent, she said, I thought I was a good mother to you. And yet, you know, I knew that both of them were doing the best they could. So I'll tell you, I just want to say, uh, you know, in ending that I am so grateful today to be a sexaholic. Uh, the most important thing in my life is right now, I'm a, uh, I live at a, uh, a place where uh, it's a very spiritual place. I've been living here eight years and uh, there's a lot of meditation, a lot of silence. Uh, and it it is absolutely beautiful for me because my most important thing is my relationship with my higher power. I'm 76 years old right now. I'm in the last quarter of my life, and I, you know, and my most important thing is my is, you know, how can I get closer to God? And I know it's through spirituality. I know it, you know, and I know it's through a lot of it's through meditation, and I know it's a lot of it's through SA. And I'm so grateful for the fellowship and I'm so grateful for you listening to me and uh, you know, and I wish everybody wonderful thing. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Um, I am so glad that my AA group did not require me to meditate twice a day because I would have (laughs) failed out the first day and I would fail out today, 42 years later. When I close my eyes, my brain gets busy, and it's a result of brain damage, um, a near-death experience when I was a kid. I've gotten an EEG done on my brain. I got medical proof 
this brain don't meditate. Um, and I'm so envious of those who can. My wife been sober in AA 43 or something years and wow. her brain goes quiet. I, I don't, it just gets noisy, but I'm working on it. Um, I really appreciate what you said with forgiving our parents. Um, my dad drank himself to death um, before I got a chance to really get to work on, on my relationship with him. It took me 15 years. Um, took me 15 years in sobriety to, to forgive him. But I got there. Today, I can recognize my dad did the best he could. He got dealt a short deck. It was some really crappy cards. Um, he did the best he could, though. And my mom lived till 10 days short of her 90th birthday. And I got to repair the relationship with my mom. Um, I got to work on that for, well, through AA for over 40 years. So I'm in SA 22. Um, I love my mom. And we really, right up to the day she went unconscious, um, we really had a, a wonderful relationship. It's a lot of hard work. Um, and yeah, pray for somebody two weeks. <laughs> that won't even put a dent in it. You know, two years, we start to make progress. <laughs> That's all. Thanks, Thomas. Great to hear you. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Blessings. Uh, next up, I have Arash from uh, Sweden. Yes. <clears throat> Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, Tom. My name is Arash, um, as Dan just said, from Sweden. So grateful to hear your story. I could identify a lot. I was also quite caring, fear uh, about my father. Um, doesn't exist anymore. This fear, he's still alive, and my relation is quite well with him. Well, probably we are living far from each other. Um, um, I have a question, and it's really related to um, your meditation. You mentioned you meditate two hours a day. Um, how do you meditate? What, what, in which way do you have any specific tool, any suggestion? Because I'm very interested in meditation. I've been suggested, but there are a thousand different ways of meditation. So how do you do it? Um, and thank you very much uh, sure. for sharing your experience. Thank you. Well, yeah, I'm glad to uh, share that, of course. Uh, well, what I do is uh, it's very simple. Uh, I first say a prayer before I start meditating, uh, say a prayer to my higher power. And then, you know, then I, uh, I get settled. I get my back straight. I, uh, I sit in a chair. I sit in a chair. Anyway, and I put my feet in the ground, get solid, and I close my eyes, and I think of a holy word, uh, and uh, and uh, as uh, my brain has all these thoughts that come into it, that type of thing, uh, which over and over, every time I notice that, I go back to my holy word, and and uh, that's about it. And then I open my eyes thereafter, uh, and uh, and. Uh, just stay, you know, if you want to say, stay in the, the silence and just fat, you know, just uh, relish, relish the silence and realizing it's uh, being present 
with my higher power. And that's basically it. And then I open my eyes thereafter. It's very, it's very simple. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I think uh, Tomas is the next one up. Hi, Tomas. Hi, Tom. Thank you for your sharing. Uh, I'm Tomas from Sexaholic from Slovakia. Slovakia. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, Arash, for your um, question. I, I, I wanted to, to ask the same, uh, but uh, I, have, I have the time, so I, I want to ask some, something uh, to meditation uh, too. Uh, Tom, was was your uh, meditation the same all the time, or or you or you change uh, the ways uh, of kind of meditation? Uh, thank you. Uh, it's been basically about the same, Tomas. Uh, you know, uh, in the beginning, uh, it was much more in my you know, the thoughts in my mind and all that type of thing were much more running uh, into my mind. And today it's a little bit more peaceful uh, and a little deeper, a lot deeper and all that. Well, I don't know if I can say that, but it, it's just, I just know how powerful, uh, at least in, in the practice that I'm here and, and I've been living, living with it, it, I, I play, I'm at this place called Assisi Institute and uh, we focus on meditation a lot and we get a lot of training in meditation. So I just realize how important it is. So I just do it. I just do it. When I get up in the morning, usually uh, by seven, quarter after seven in the morning, I'm, we're meditating till at least 8.30, quarter to nine. And then in the evening, uh, I do it for about another 45 minutes or so. Uh, as best I can, and I just do it, and uh, uh, I realize, uh, and I just realize slowly things get a little bit better, as far as my, as far as my consciousness is concerned, as far as the you know the things that are going on in my mind and and the anxiety uh, that I've always had. <clears throat> Thank you, Tomas. Uh, I see Stan's hand is up. Stan from Alaska. Hi, Stan. Hey, Tom. How are you doing? Uh, doing great. Uh, appreciate your share. I uh, definitely identified a lot with uh, a lot we talked about uh, specifically with, uh, you know, a wife, um, father and mother. Um, those are the top ones on my resentment list, my fear list, uh, the ones you need to make uh, amends to. Um, and uh, definitely was curious. Um, Right now, I was brought to this program because of uh, my wife's infidelity that I wasn't aware of, um, uh, and uh, I was completely unaware of my my addiction, uh, but uh, I was there to save my marriage, and so I entered SA back in July of 2018 and um, gone through a lot and working currently step four and just was curious as far as uh, you talked about, uh, I had the same situation with my wife and she told me about um, recently how she couldn't stand having sex with me and had to have an out of body experience. And I was just wondering, um, we're currently, she's looking to currently pursue divorce. And I was curious as far as um, how you uh, handled your marriage and situation um, in and around the divorce. And then afterwards, as far as uh, relationships or any other relationships you had uh, with women afterwards. Ah, very good. Uh, well, the uh, right after our 
right after the program that my wife and I were involved and we did get divorced and at, at that point. And, uh, uh, and then we were separated and she went her way and, and that type of thing. Uh, uh, it was, uh, you know, not, not that congenial in the beginning. Uh, however, uh, as time went on, as time went on, we, you know, we, we both, I can almost, I can speak for her, I believe, uh, you know, I think she forgave me and it was vice versa. Uh, again, I mentioned it took, it took a number of years. It was no quick fix, like was mentioned the two weeks for sure. Uh, you know, as far as relationships, you know, with other women after that, um, you know, I, it took me a long time. Uh, you know, it wasn't that I wasn't open to have relationships. It just, I, what I said to my higher power really was, Hey, Hey God, I'm open to a marriage or, uh, you know, a a, a relationship. Uh, if you present it to me, because some, you know, the places I went to (laughs) that didn't work necessarily my control all those years didn't, you know, for sure didn't come fruitful as far as maybe the best partner that I could have had. Uh, so thing, you know, so I really didn't have that many relationships, you know, and today though, things are different. Uh, just the last five years now, there's this relationship I have where I'm staying now at the CC Institute with this young woman. And, you know, the beautiful thing about it is it's a friendship. And uh, it's just wonderful because, uh, you know, if uh, it's nice to have a relationship with a woman, you know, we can talk and we can talk about anything. You know, we can uh, be friends if I have, you know, if I go, sometimes I go to, uh, you know, to a dance or something like that, I would like a partner to go with me and she would love to do it too. And uh, we do walking together and, you know, we have a real nice relationship to the point where I even was able to say my addiction to her, which I've never told another woman, if you want to say at all, uh, or I've never gone outside of SA. Uh, in saying, you know, my addiction, and I was accepted, you know, and acceptance is such a beautiful thing. I knew how acceptance was for me, accepting myself as who I was, but so for another woman to do that and to still be a, a close, close friend uh, was just wonderful. So I I am just uh, very grateful that uh, I'm able to have relationships like that. Uh, the other thing, too, is, you know, I'm a uh, I've been a Catholic worker uh, for 30 years in my life. Well, not quite 25 years, actually. I don't know if you know what that is, but we, we have a place uh, uh, where we do the works of mercy and uh, emergency shelter for men. And we have a soup kitchen and I've been living in community there before where I am now for 15 years. And the relationships with, with uh, the men this, on the street and all that. Uh, you know, I'm able to share who I am with them. Although I say I'm an alcoholic, or I elude that I'm an alcoholic, not a sex addict necessarily, but uh, it's a wonderful relationship and I'm able to understand other people because of my brokenness and their, you know, their brokenness. So I I spoke enough, but I'm just saying uh, I'm grateful that I'm a sexaholic. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Uh, I don't have any virtual hands up at the moment, so the floor. Whoop! Luke's hand is up. Yeah, yeah, Luke. 
I don't find the virtual hand. So, <laughs> um, I thank you, Tom. Thank you for your story. It's um, quite amazing. I can I can identify that two weeks of praying for the persons I resented. It, for, in my case, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> so it's um, it's a matter of many many months for me. Um, I just had a question about the meditation. I'm intrigued by it, like probably many people. I'm trying to meditate, but it just doesn't work well. And uh, so I would like to ask for the two things. First of all, so did you say that then for a full hour, you repeat that holy name? That's one question. And the second question is, how do you see for you the relationship between prayer and meditation in your life or the inter the interrelationship between them? Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks, Luke. Yeah, when I meditate, Luke, it's not it's not the fact that uh, I, I I have my holy word all the time or not, but when I recognize the fact in my you know in my mind that I'm not I'm not thinking about my holy word, I come back to it, and a lot of times I go off on this and that on maybe other spiritual things, maybe other mundane things. Uh, but when I recognize it, I then go back, I go back to the Holy Word as best I can. I, I don't, I don't get into, uh, you know, any uh, guilt about it or anything like that. I just do the best I can on that end of the coin. Uh, and I realize too, that even this thoughts that go around my head, which I, I get a lot of them. There's no way around that. I really do. I still, I wish I was more peaceful to be honest with you, or there were less less activity up there. Uh, I realize that's good too. I understand that's a good meditation. That's what I was told anyway. So I try not to get, I try not to get uh, uh, on myself, if you want to say, or guilty or whatever you want to do about that. Uh, I just let it go. I just let it go. What was the second thing you asked about, Luke? I the, forget. The interrelationship between prayer and meditation for you. Oh, yeah. I consider meditation to be very much of a prayer. Uh, I, I do prayer. I do pray outside of meditation, but I consider meditation very much of a prayer uh, because that is, you know, that is my relationship with my higher power. And what we hear, you know, we say in, in silence, uh, you know, you're able to have God speak to you and in prayer, you're speaking to God, right? Is what we say in the 12 steps, I guess. You know, uh, a lot of times I pray to God in my meditation. <laughs> so to me, it's very much of a prayer all the time. Thanks. Thank you, Tom. Thank you very much. Thanks, Luke and Tom. And Juan Carlos uh, from Spain. Yeah, uh, thank you, Tom. Hey, Juan uh, Carlos. Hi, Tom. Uh, thank you hi. so much. Yes. Uh, I appreciate your, your sincere uh, talk. Uh, it has been very inspiring to me. Um, there has been uh, several, uh, well, uh, situations, facts you have uh, talked about, uh, well, uh, surrender, uh, your wife, uh, your childhood, and now also uh, meditation. I would like to ask more, more for meditation, but, well, I want to change. Uh, I am now, uh, well, uh, also you, you said that you did needed uh, 35 years to, to realize that you have a problem and stay sober. For me, it has been more time. I'm very, very, uh, well, 
hard break, uh, and I need uh, 45 years to uh, to realize that I have a problem and to find some solution in SA. But hopefully, I find it. Uh, and my question is about uh, your your childhood. Your childhood. Uh, in my case, uh, I have a boy. In my, I have a child, my inner child, who is uh, still uh, well, having trouble. Uh, is pampering. I have tantrums with my with my inner child, and I am working in another program because I think many of my uh, of my shortcomings come from that age. So how did you relate your uh, recovery and the the child you 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 were uh, when you have in you, you were in your family with your your parents? How did you relate your relationship with them and now in your recovery? Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Juan Carl- Carlos. Um, I forgot to mention my mother was also an alcoholic, uh, and there was some, uh, of course, effect relating to the alcoholism that she had, and I'm sure that was part of her control situ- her control issues that it had to me. Well, when I got into recovery, uh, I would go- I went to not only AA, which of course I didn't identify that much, but I love the AAers. Uh, I went to Al-Anon because of uh, my codependency issues. I went to ACOA because of my way I was raised and stuff like that. And then I really settled, of course, in the essay. And uh, yes, I learned a lot of things about how I was raised as a kid, how I was, how I was affected. I was the youngest of the ch- children and, you know, get into all that stuff, try to analyze in some respects about what, you know, what happened to you in the beginning. But I got out of that pretty quick when I got the essay because I figured, hey, do the 12 steps and really work on the 12 steps and not get into the analysis of how so much about how I was raised and all that, but to deal with the issues at hand. And so that's what, you know, that's what I focused on. And that's what people tell me to do is just say, hey, how can I get closer to God, how can I deal with my, my uh, shortcomings, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, and how can I work, how can I do service with my sponsees, how can I do service with, you know, uh, and get the focus off of me, uh, do the, you know, do service, do service work, and how can I do that best? Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks. And for a while there, I had Nancy's virtual hand up. Did you still want to share, Nancy? Yeah. Unmute, Nancy. She sometimes has issues with her headphones. Yeah, (laughs) I see. Okay. Um, Let's see here. A couple of things. Once, Once when you talked about forgiveness... And, of course, I think, oh, gosh, what I did was so little and what the other person did to me was so big, especially in my growing up family. Um, There were some inappropriate um, actions by both of my parents. Oops. Um, But what I did was, and I don't know where I came upon this, um, I pictured myself like that there's even ground before God and that I am just as much in need of God for my shortcomings. 
as um, you know, either my father or especially my father, or my mother. And so, you know, um, that just kind of took the, the judgment out of it for me. It took a long time thinking about that, but if I could just think that, um, yeah, we're both in need and we both have just as much need for forgiveness ourselves. I know we're getting all these questions on meditations. What I'm wondering is you mentioned that in the community where you are now, they did teaching about how to meditate or tips, or I don't remember the words you used, but I wonder if there's some things that you could share from what you've learned there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't want to get into the religious end of it too much uh, here. Uh, one of the things that we do here is uh, we have a uh, this group called Assisi Institute. Um, it's a it's a joining of the East and Eastern and Western spiritualities together, and coming from the East. There's a lot of meditation that's involved with it. And there's a particular guru, if you want to say, or, or saint uh, that, that, uh, that uh, we look to along with the, you know, if you want to say, the, say the, the saint and everything and the, you know, uh, Jesus for the West. Uh, so the teachings come from both ends of the coin, from the East and from the West. Uh, but again, a lot of the meditation is is uh, very much a part a part of that. Does that answer your question, or do you want me to get more in depth? Um, um, I'm not sure. I guess I guess I'm looking for different how tos. I mean, sometimes I say that um, I've taught I've been taught a 20, 20, 20, 20 minutes with higher power, twenty minutes with step work, and twenty minutes with uh, a connection. You know, either daily sobriety renewal or whatever. Um, but I talk about, um, I learned that my higher power time can look like different things. You know, it might be taking a walk in the woods. It might be doing exactly what you're talking about. It might be reading some spiritual literature. And um, if, if words pop out. Um, and so I didn't know if there were any other how-tos that you've learned I don't remember the phrase that you used. It was something about you'd that you'd learned from where you are. Uh, tips about meditation. Anyway, that's that's what I'm thinking. Just if I could get some ideas for myself of different how tos. Well, I don't question the fact that uh, people meditate in different ways. You know, some people are more inclined to go into nature. You know, and when I go out into nature too and see, you know. Uh, you know, see the uh, colors on the trees changing and all that type of thing and uh, the birds flying through and them playing with each other. And I mean, just that type of thing alone is a, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, so I'm sure it's in different, different ways. Uh, the thing I love about meditation that I was explaining anyway is what we say here is it's very scientific, scientific in that how it affects the brain and how it affects, you know, if you want to say our connection with our higher power. And it's all through the silence and through the stillness. Uh, so uh, that's what, 
you know, that's what we're taught in a lot of ways is the is the science concept of it too. And the science is becoming more and more aware of the power of of meditation. Uh, I had a sponsee the other day, and I, I, you know, he didn't have too much belief in meditation and how it affected him. And I said, well, why don't you look it up in the internet? And just to look at some, you know, what they say about that. He came back to me and he says, Tom, he says, there's like 75 reasons of powerless, powerful, how powerful meditation is to you. Not only, not only uh, mentally and emotionally, but physically and how it, how it affects you. Uh, So, you know, so I thought that was, you know, pretty eye opening too. We, we have, uh, our time is starting to run short. We have about four people lined up right now. This is just, uh, you know, for people with less than 30 days or people who didn't get, who won't get a chance to share, stick around afterwards for virtual coffee and we can continue to talk. Uh, next up, I have Susie B. in Idaho. Thank you. Hi, Susie uh, B. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for your sharing today. I really feel inspired inspired to meditate more. And that's a really good thing. I've known for years the benefits of meditation. And I just tend to get away from it. I also identify as a workaholic. And I just seem too busy. Now that I'm retired, I should say a busyaholic because that disease doesn't leave either. <laughs> but I, I struggle with just being still that long. And I also tend to get sleepy when I get still and uh, relaxed in meditation. But anyway, you are inspiring me and I just want to say thank you. So I'll pass with that. Thank you, Susie B in Idaho. <laughs> and Lee, you're next. <clears throat> Hi, my name's Lee and I'm a real sexaholic. Uh, Hi, Lee. Two, three, two, three things. Uh, one is, uh, I greatly identified with your form of acting out, which began with me at age five and uh, had a, the effect of giving me a deep core, uh, deep core of shame, which drove my disease for the next 30 years. And I believe that's very real. Uh, I think also I am a scientist who likes to look at the science of things and uh, They've done brain imaging of the changes in the brain and all this stuff that uh, goes along with the mindfulness meditation and contemplative prayer uh, that people practice. And it's absolutely amazing. Uh, It technically can heal addictions by healing parts of the brain. Uh, But amazingly enough, I think one of the reasons they didn't emphasize that big book is because they weren't talking about mindful meditation. They were talking about silent reflection. The 11th step talks about doing an inventory and reflecting on the day. Uh, The 12 and 12 talks about the prayer of St. Francis and examining each word as you go through it and thinking deeply on it. And they hadn't gotten to mindfulness meditation, unfortunately, because I think that's an extraordinarily uh, valuable thing. You know, and throughout the big book, they call uh, the morning practice just morning meditation, prayers and reflecting and inventories. But they never got to mindfulness meditation, which I think is the most healing thing if you can do it. 
I have a hard time to do it. I have a busy haul at night too, and it's it's really tough, but I've tried. So uh, thanks for sharing all that. It's it's a great it's great to hear every word you said. So I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you, Lee. Good hearing you. Next up, Federico. Hi, thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> and um, yeah, Daniel, um, I actually think Jackie was before me. But um, Jackie, do you want to go before me? No? That, All right. That's okay. okay. I think, uh, I, think I, I don't remember. So go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> right. Thank you, Jackie. Um, thank you so much for that share, Tom. I'll keep it really brief. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I, yeah, I'm grateful to hear your share in part because um, meditation has been a, a part of my recovery, but also um, Rochester has been a part of my uh, recovery in terms of meditation. Uh, my sponsor didn't really emphasize meditation as part of step 11. Um, but it was a fellow from Rochester who I talked to on a regular basis who started by saying to me, <clears throat> because I would share about my massive anxiety, you know, and he, he started about eight years ago saying, why don't you do three minutes of silence? Just set the alarm, do it in the morning, do it in the evening. And then about a year later, why don't you up it to five? And then, you know, sort of, uh, it went on. So I'm grateful for that, but I had a really quick question. One, one is I regularly get, um, disappointed with meditation. And I, I realize that deep down, what I'm looking for very often is a spiritual high. I'm not looking for a connection necessarily, but I fall into wanting to feel good in meditation, wanting to feel high spiritually. Do you experience that? Do you have any sort of experience tackling that? Thank you. Thanks, Frederico. Well, I try to stay away from uh, the expectations of it uh, because I know for myself when I start getting in the expectations, uh, very frequently I get disappointed. And that's a, that's a thing that I, you know, I can understand. I've always been taught here and places I've been all my life with meditation anyway is that all meditations are good no matter what. Uh, it's affecting us and we don't really know how it's affecting us. Like was mentioning earlier by Lee there, uh, you know, the, the effect it has on the brain and everything like that. And, and on my anxieties, especially, uh, you know, it happens. And I believe in that. And I trust, I try to trust into it and not to have expectations uh, as best I can. Thanks, Tom. Jackie, you're on now. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Tom. Thanks for sharing. Lovely to hear you. Um, wow, what a, what a lot of experience, strength, and hope. I was uh, surprised as well when you uh, mentioned about um, your friend because um, I um, I have a friend as well, and we know each other quite some years. And I must say, only in recovery um, am I now really building a real friendship relationship with this, uh, with this, uh, man. And, um, but I still notice that I, I do struggle with, uh, getting into romantic fantasies. Maybe you can share some, <laughs> some hope and strength <laughs> on that with me. Well, you know, when we first got together, this lady and myself, uh, we were, she, see, she's in recovery, uh, well, not recovery, excuse me, but she's a very spiritual gal and, has been meditating for many, many years. Uh, and uh, I know her here at a, spe at 
at the Assisi Institute. And when we first talked really close as far as our relationship and all that, it was very clear in the beginning. She says, hey, I'm not in a, I'm not in a, uh, in a relationship with you as far as romantic or anything like that. She says, I want a friendship. And I knew I couldn't get into a romantic one, to be honest with you, because of my program here. And actually, I've taken uh, at Assisi, I've taken a vow of uh, not uh, not having uh, any, uh, you know, relationships, if you want to say any, you know, marriages or anything like that for the rest of my life. Uh, so I knew I couldn't do it anyway. Uh, so in my in my own mind, I had it all figured out saying, well, yes, this is going to be friendship and we're going to put the put my energy and all that into a friendship. And yes, I can see that there can be some type of, you know, uh, romantic part of it. And I got to deal with that right away uh, uh, in this program. Uh, you know, it doesn't come frequently, but it does come. And I just, you know, because, you know, I'll be honest with you. Um, I I have a lot of respect for married relationships. I see people that uh, have this marriage and this uh connection that they seem to have and I can just see the love in their in their hearts and uh, you know I go there sometimes as a almost like a jealousy and I got to be very careful of that so uh, I got to work the program on it I got to work the program on it thanks well thank you Tom I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the daily reprieve the best source for experience strength and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.